Hi, how would you like to advertise on Conversations with Dwyer? Email me at conversationswithdwyer and we can talk about it. Or actually email me about it. But whatever you're advertising, whether it be your product, your music, or just yourself, that ad will reach around the world and it will live on that episode or multiple episodes forever. So please email me at conversationswithdwyer at gmail.com and let's get emailing about it and get some ads up here. All right? All right, let's listen to this episode. Welcome to Conversations with Dwyer. I'm Matt Dwyer. This is a music podcast. And uh, if you haven't listened before, I highlight some legendary artists, established and new and upcoming artists, a wide variety of levels of music, I guess. And uh, speaking of which, today I would say I have a a legend of music, Del Crover. And that song that played us in is Shark Like Overbite from his album Rat-a-Tat-Tat. And that's on Joyful Noise. That's been out for... uh, Maybe maybe a few weeks. It's uh, a great album, and of course, if you've been living in a cave for the last fifty years, um, Dale Crover is also the drummer for the Melvins, and he plays with a bunch of other bands. And the Melvins have um, a release that came out February twenty sixth, I believe, because I can't read my handwriting on Epicac Recordings. And it's called uh, Melvin's 1983, Working With God. Uh, Dale played bass on that album, I believe. And then they brought back the original drummer for an album that's also great. And I, uh, I also believe there's a vinyl reissue called Gluey Porch Treatments from the Melvins. All these things are in the show notes, uh, the band camps, and every possible thing that I could possibly link is in the show notes, Dale Crover and Melvin's, as well as uh, my links. There's a uh, my links, and or you could just go to themattdwire.com, which hopefully by the time this episode is up, the reconstruction of my website is over. Um, you could find my social media, and more importantly, my Patreon. Um, if you like this episode, and if you've been listening for a while, and you want, you crave more conversations with Dwyer, for instance, the entire video interview with Dale Crover is on my Patreon with bonus material because all of what you hear in this episode on the podcast, well, there's a lot more and it's on my Patreon. For $5 a month, you can get uh, videos, extra content. I'm going to start sending out pins, little conversations with the wire pins with the logo there to all Patreons. And uh, I have a thing in the works where I'm going to be doing a Patreon exclusive uh, where I talk to comedians about the music that they listen to, and that's going to be solely on Patreon. So um, I haven't solidified any comedians, but uh, so just if you follow my uh, Twitter uh, or Instagram, Conversations with the Wire, um, just go to the website or my link, link tree in the show notes, and I'll take you to everything Conversations with the Wire. Um, it's a real honor to have Dale Crover on the show. Oh, before I forget, uh, if you like Dale Crover and uh, and you're here because you're a fan of his music, check out some of my old episodes. Uh, David Yao from The Jesus Lizard, Wayne Kramer from the MC5, uh, Danita Sparks from uh, L7, and uh, Julia Kugel from The Coat Hangers. I have a... See? 
A lot of, lot of guests, a lot of great, groovy, cool guests. So uh, with that in mind, or whatever is in mind, <laughs> whatever you like in mind, here is my episode with Dale Crover. Just curious what your first drum kit was. Um, the first uh, real drum kit I had, besides the, the, the toy kit I had when I was a kid. <laughs> Oh, okay. <laughs> was what? Sorry, say it again. Oh, I was just curious how how young you started playing. It's a toy uh, kit. Yeah, no, I was I was just uh, thinking about how one of my favorite Christmas presents was when I was probably six was a toy drum kit, and I you know I I don't think it's something I even asked for. I just woke up and that's what Santa brought, and I was like, wow. So that was um, you know I was into music when I was a kid for sure. Just had older brothers that played you know they played in school band and stuff like that um so music was always part of my life but um your parents must have been I, pretty patient if they were like my dad would have never bought me a drum kit <laughs> oh, well well he didn't <laughs> i mean besides the toy kit i i got my drum set from uh working a paper out when i was 11 12 years old that's how i got and, mine uh, yeah right yeah. So, and my first drum kit was like a uh, old sixties Pearl. I think I got it for 150 bucks and it didn't have, it just had like a kick of rack Tom and a floor Tom. And then I had to save up and buy the snare and cymbals and it was piece by piece. You know, my, my parents didn't have a ton of money, you know, but they were supportive, but they didn't have a ton of money. Right. Yeah. Same, same with my, my first drum kit, the, the leg on the bass drum would like, retract so like i'd be playing and then it suddenly would just roll over <laughs> oh yeah oh wow yeah well uh, i remember uh, we used to joke about the, the kid i had in the melvins used to be held up by gravity basically <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean yeah my first set was a pearl as well like once i saved up i get with the like saved up a second time i got a better i had a five-piece pearl um, oh right right nice bird. yeah i I had that kit. I used it in the Melvins for the first couple of years, for sure. Um, I, I, I had that kit and then added on to it. I found another pearl that was kind of matching, but not really. But it made it so I had like a double bass kit. And then I had, I had like two rack toms and then a floor tom mounted above that, kind of in a, a, with the snare drum. It was kind of like in a, tri a, a, a diamond shape. With the toms. Oh, that's pretty. I had uh, the Remo. What are those? The Remo drums that you would like. The Roto Toms. Yeah, Roto Toms. Oh, awesome! Oh, you're yeah, you're lucky. You got some Roto Toms. Nice. <laughs> I would try to do uh, a butcher Neil Pert fills. Oh, right on! Yeah, 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 uh, yeah. I was I was really into Neil Pert as well, and I just I always wanted you know to have. The, the you know the <laughs> yeah I mean it was nineteen eighty ish so I mean how how could yeah. you not be into Neil Peart and totally who else were you into playing wise uh, I, before like before I joined the Melvins I was really into the heavy metal stuff Judas Priest was a big one I really liked their drummer that played on Unleashed in the East less less. Banks he was a big influence um, the earlier Iron Maiden stuff with Clive Burr playing drums. I liked him. Um, but even before, I'm trying to think of what else. Weren't I was getting into weirder stuff by the time I joined the Melvins, for oh, sure. Right. What, uh, weren't you in an Iron Maiden cover band? <laughs> <laughs> Everybody asks that now. Oh, do they? It's like, 
yeah. Oh, I, I try mean, not to. I try to go down different oh, roads. That's fine. That's fine. Uh, it, 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 yeah. If, uh, if, if it were only that cool, <laughs> 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 it was. It was a uh, cover band that I played in when I was. 14, 15, 16. And, uh, you know, we're, we played high school dances. So we were into rock, but then also had to like bow to playing, you know, ballads. Oh yeah. <laughs> and things like our, uh, like, uh, uh, um, I'm trying to think what the worst would be. Oh, uh, the lover boy, the kid is hot tonight. That's, yeah. that's worse for sure. <laughs> Not, yeah. Yeah. Or they, the one, I remember the one ballad that they did and I got to take the break because there's no drums on it was, uh, Judas priest before the dawn, <laughs> you know, the slow dance number. Yeah. That was my smoke break <laughs> as a, as a young teen. <laughs> what was, when you said you got into some weirder stuff, what was the weirder stuff? Oh, I guess I was thinking like I was starting to get into more obscure new wave of British heavy metal stuff. There was this band in 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 our town, uh, uh, well, Metal Church. Have you heard of those guys? Yeah, you know Metal Church. They were from Aberdeen, or at least the uh, second version of the band was from Aberdeen. And um, I'd gotten a lot of stuff from those guys. You know, actually, how I started even playing drums is one of the guys that ended up being in that band was my neighbor. He was a little bit older, and I remember being into Kiss as a kid, and then seeing him. And he had long hair and talking to him, he's like, I've got a Les Paul and a Marshall half stack at my house. Yeah. And I was like, oh, wow. He's like, want to come over and see it? And so he was the dude that turned me on to like Led Zeppelin. He was the older dude that, you know, corrupted me. Yeah, I had <laughs> and, some and got me into, <laughs> Right. And he's, he's the one that was like, I'll get a drum set so we could play. And so that's, you know, that's when I had the paper out and that's when I bought the drum kit. And, and you know, we jammed a few times maybe. Yeah. <laughs> but I, um, through him and through some of those other guys, I'd heard things like Gang of Four and um, and The Mentors. <laughs> and then seeing the Melvins in, in probably late 83, not too long after they started. You know, um, I, I, I knew about stuff like Motorhead and and um, you know, stuff from Cream Magazine that I knew about. But I, like I said, I never had a lot of money, so I didn't have, you know, I always got records or tapes from people that, that had money that had them <laughs> yeah was was gang of four like because the town i grew up in isn't too different from aberdeen i grew up in a suburb yeah. of chicago that was like to put it in perspective there was literally a guy down the street from me who kept a horse in his house for yeah. till, till the cops put a stop to that <laughs> so, so there was a some bizarre very like work low working class. I've been to Aberdeen. I've right. driven through it once, but uh, oh, that, that, that's the, good thing you didn't stop. <laughs> oh, I did. <laughs> I got, oh no, <laughs> I got a coffee and an ice cream at some, and the and the woman worked at both. So like we went and got coffee, and then we went to the ice cream place. And she was like, ran in. She's like, wait, I have to finish doing the coffee, and then she ran. But oh wow, that's funny. Was Gang of Four like something? Was Aberdeen a bit more musically open or my town was not? Oh, no, not at all. I mean, that was just, it was one of those guys that was involved with Metal Church that made me a tape of like, yeah. And I don't know how he found, well, one of the guys that was in Metal Church, the, the, the guy who was, I guess, the founder was in a, a punk rock band in Seattle called The Lude early on, probably in like 79. So, um, so those guys knew about some punk rock stuff and um i think that's probably where it came from um but yeah i had a probably 
I don't know, six months before I joined the Melvins, I had this gang of four and mentors tape on both bands on one tape. (laughs) (laughs) So that was my introduction to punk rock. And then seeing the Melvins, uh, was my, also my, my introduction. Did did you have any, you'd had no idea when you first saw the Melvins that you would be playing in Oh, yeah, I do. Totally. Yeah, it was when I was playing in that Iron Maiden cover band. (laughs) (laughs) Um, There there was a talent show that was a Christmas show happening in Aberdeen at the local Elk Club Lodge. And it was uh, sponsored by this uh, radio station called, uh, I think it was KXRO. And I think they're, they're, they they mostly play stuff like uh, I, I don't know like Eddie Rabbit or or something you know <laughs> and and uh, uh, and it was also kind of a benefit show for the local uh, uh, group and anyway somehow the band I was playing in uh, got involved in going down there and playing live on the radio and we went when we got there there was a band playing. And we knew most of the bands in town because, you know, they're competitors. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, we see this band playing and we're like, who the hell are these guys? And, you know, they're like, I could describe them as like, wow, these guys kind of sound like the Ramones crossed with Motorhead. And they're playing really fast and uh, they weren't stopping in between their songs, which were all, all seemed like they're only about 30 seconds long. And, and they, the, there was, uh, I remember there was like a, a, an announcer, you know, a host of the show that had introduced him and stuff. And, you know, some, some guy with like a cowboy hat and in between one of the songs was like, well, that was really like, what are they about? And then start in again. <laughs> so it was, it was pretty mind blowing. And afterwards, we talked to him a little bit, and we're like, you know, I think one of the guys in in, in my band kind of knew Buzz, maybe, or knew him somehow, recognized him from someplace. Um, and then a couple acts later, we got up to play my band, and we were going to do some crappy original ballad that they wrote. <laughs> and um, what we didn't realize is that Melvin's got down there, and and they noticed that there was no PA system. So they ran back home, got their PA system, came back down, and they had vocals. And so all we had to sing in was the broadcast mic. And so our singer couldn't hear himself at all. And it, I think, actually, it got cut off, you know, because he's singing into the mic, and it's, like, totally overloading it to where it's distorted. And they're just like, oh, I guess that's uh, all we're going to get to tonight from the... Uh, Special program, Sunshine Kids program. <clears throat> we now return you to some Kenny Loggins. <laughs> <laughs> and was it because I read that you started touring at fifty? And your guidance counselor, you, your guidance counselor, told you like, yeah, fuck it, that's right. cool. Yeah, that's pretty wild. Well, so yeah, so probably about six months after that, that seeing that show, I was I ended up joining the band, <laughs> and. Um, you know those guys. Those guys actually had been playing shows out of town in in uh, um, Olympia and Seattle, and that was pretty impressive for you know a band coming from that area to be able to get gigs there. Um, yeah, so I was starting to miss more school because we'd be out of town doing you know a Wednesday night in 
in Olympia or whatever. We had a chance to go on tour, and my grades were failing because of this. Um, we had a chance to go on tour, and uh, I don't I don't know how I even ended up thinking to go talk to them about this. But um, you know, it was like I was going to be gone for a couple months, maybe. You know, and so I go and talk to the counselor, and he looks at my grades, and he's like, "Well." You're getting an A plus in band. <laughs> <laughs> I think you know what you want to do. Um, you know, his advice was was since you're going to be missing this much school and you have this opportunity, just just quit and go do this. And if, when you come back, if you want to, you know, just re-enroll. So I didn't. I didn't look back. I quit. <laughs> and actually, what I did is I quit. Went on this tour and it was, I mean, it was actually, it was pretty miserable. <laughs> you know, it was, it was, uh, you know, us going around the country with the van breaking down every two minutes and having to put, you know, a, a quart of everything in the, in, in the van, every gas stop and uh, playing shows where people hated the band. <laughs> us coming home and vowing to never tour again. <laughs> and instead of, uh, instead of going back to school, uh, a friend of mine is like, I can get you a job at this pizza place I work at. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> so I didn't go back to school. I just went, went to the pizza business. Uh, and then I bought my second drum set with that gig. What was this? Another Pearl? No, I got a Ludwig. Um, we, we, uh, um, for, for, so after we came back from that tour, uh, our van was totally toasted you know we couldn't take it to gigs and um, i remember we had a gig up in seattle playing with the, the band green river and um we went up just drove up in our bass player's car and used their gear and uh, their drummer had a big 26 inch kick drum and i remember thinking like oh that's really cool because i just had this i had a 20 inch bass drum and it was small and shitty i was like wow it'd be really cool to get a big bass drum and he's like, oh, good luck. I had to order this one. It took six months for it to get here. You know, it's like shooting down the possibility, the idea of doing it. And uh, there was a local store in Olympia, Washington called Music 6000. And I walked in. I'm like, hey, do you guys have any 26-inch bass drums? <laughs> <laughs> and they're like, not singular, but we've got this kit that has one. And I'm like, really? <laughs> and so it was this Ludwig, 80s Ludwig kit uh that uh, had a 26 and um you know a, a 14 tom and an 18 and a 20 inch floor tom you know it's giant like the black flag size drum kit it's like oh awesome and so <laughs> um you know I, I had to put some money down on that and and uh pay it off <laughs> but that kit i had for a long time yeah, um, use that one from probably about that would have been about eighty seven to um, um, probably about ninety three. Is that know? is it hard to like part from a kit? Is it do you get nostalgic for it? Or I, I don't know if that's a weird question, but I never thought about that because I can't get rid of a fucking coffee mug. <laughs> yeah, I'm. Yeah, I can't. I have a hard time getting getting rid of things too. But I, you know. I don't have it, but I know where it is. Um, but I mean, I, I have so many. I realized that, uh, you know, I, I'd held on to it for so long and and I, I'd realized it'd been in cases for 10 years, you know, and, and um, I knew this band, I knew this drummer that was in dire need of a 
nice kit. So I sold it to him, <laughs> but I'm like, it don't, you can't get rid of this. If you, if you need to sell this, you sell it back to me. <laughs> <laughs> when, when you first started touring, how old were you? You were like 15, 16. Um, I think we were doing, uh, well, I mean, touring, <laughs> probably 85. So, yeah, I would have been probably 16, 16, 17. And that was just like, you know, not not super long trips, you know, a week out of town or something like right. that, maybe. But what was it? Um, I mean, that's pretty, int- at least I'm using myself as an example. Like, if I would have went on tour at 16, I I, would, I mean, I, would, I don't know if I was mentally prepared for something that, <laughs> and and you were unsupervised. <laughs> yeah, right. I don't know. I mean, I guess I don't know. It was an adventure. You know, I remember um, early on we'd met these guys from Canada, and uh, they're from Calgary. This band called Beyond Possession. And I remember we went up to their place and hung out with them, and stayed at their house for weeks, and played shows around Canada with them. Um, that was fun. <laughs> it was an adventure. <laughs> like I started doing not band touring but touring in 21 and I was just like a drunken lunatic. I couldn't imagine if I was 16. <laughs> what kind of Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I know it was funny like 16 going up to Canada and being able to get into like strip clubs was pretty strange. <laughs> oh yeah, I remember I did that as well but younger cuz I mean it wasn't too far to go up to was it Windsor? Across from oh, yeah, Detroit. Right. And it's right. like, I mean, it's a whole different world from Detroit. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. When you first saw the Melvins, did you know you were going to like, did you have any clue that like, were you like, I want to play with these guys? No, no. I mean, you know, um, I don't, uh, you know, no, it wasn't like, that wasn't a plan at all. I, I'd seen them twice before I joined the band. They actually played this show in Aberdeen. That was the, uh, um, you know, one of the one and only rock shows that happened there <laughs> was uh, Metal Church's first show after reforming and the Melvins opened. And um, uh, <clears throat> not everybody liked him uh, until Chris Novoselic came out and, and played uh, uh, guest guitar with them at the end. And then um, everybody liked them because Chris was a, a known in Aberdeen, at least at the high school. He was uh, well known because the super tall, goofy guy, <laughs> you know, kind of the class clown. And so when he came out, everybody, everybody was like, "Wow, yeah, yeah, Chris." So, um, but anyway, uh, Chris is the one that that um, brought those guys over to my house when they were looking for a drummer and um, and and uh, asked me to join the band. So I always try out for the band or whatever. <laughs> so, did you have? I don't know if this is too like uh, abstract, but I mean, did you have a feeling that like you guys were something special? That there was something different going on? I mean, because that's a <laughs> Oh, I mean, we believed in what we were doing, you know? Um, um, yeah, I don't know. No, I mean, you know, our, our goals were just to like, yeah, I don't know. Sure. To be different from everybody, but just to play a show. (laughs) Right. You know, really in the beginning, it was was like, that'd be cool if we could play some shows. Was there also that sort of drive to get the hell out of Aberdeen? Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there was nothing there for us, you know, it took a while. Um, but yeah, that, that first tour I was talking about, that would have been about 80, I'm trying to think probably 87, 86, 87, I think. Um, yeah, 
yeah, I would have been 18 traveling around the country and, um, and, and, you know, going to the South for the first time and, and just seeing what that was like, you know, it was eye-opening <laughs> for sure. You know, such a different world from where we were, we were so isolated, you know, there was, there was nothing going on, uh, really. I mean, there was, but there wasn't, um, definitely uh, what was surprising was touring around and seeing that people still wanted to hear a million mile an hour hardcore when there was actually bands in Seattle that were, that were, that had got past that and were doing something different. Yeah. You know? um, I mean, join, when I first, yeah, started playing shows and seeing the other bands in Seattle, everybody was different. You know, the, the Soundgarden were different from Green River or uh, Malfunction was another band that we really liked a lot. Um, or the Human. Um, there were a bunch of really good bands. And they were all. Uh, what I was imp- was impressed with was it was like considered to be punk rock, and you know, all all under the umbrella of punk rock. But um, you know, it was like SST bands where that's like, you know, Black Flag and the were, Meat Puppets were seemed worlds apart, but were all under the same umbrella. That's what I thought was was really cool about about that time and all those bands, and not just Seattle bands too, but you know. Just some, like all that SSC stuff right. we were really into that stuff for sure was it because we're I think similar ages was it harder to learn about the, or like discover that sort of music back then because I remember like I only learned when people handed me a mixtape otherwise I'd have been stuck, yeah. stuck listening to The Doors my whole life and, and no right. one should have to listen to The Doors their whole life <laughs> yeah Right. Yeah. I mean, uh, you know, those guys uh, in the Melbourne's knew about all this stuff. It was like all of a sudden I got bombarded with, you know, a hundred bands I'd never heard of. (laughs) Yeah. There's always like one guy who knew everything. And I was always like, what, what, how about this? Yeah. Like Buzz was the guy that made all the mixtapes, you know, and, and, and for everybody for like, you know, all of our friends and stuff. And it always had, um, always had certain songs on it. Like, you know, there was always TVI by the Stooges was always on it. And, um, you know, they're always really good and really eclectic and different. Was there know? a good local record store in Aberdeen? Not really. Um, they would order stuff. Um, there was a place called DJ's Sound City in the mall. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> but I mean, they would order stuff actually like, um, I mean, certainly one of the bands I got into after joining the, the Mullins was the Stooges. And, um, I went over there and they actually had like the, the first two Stooges records there and I bought them both. And, you know, I, that was a surprise, you know, but there was a dude that worked there who I still know, um, who was pretty knowledgeable on that stuff. And if somebody wanted it, they could certainly get it for you. But Olympia would be the nearest place that had like cool records and punk rock stuff and underground stuff. Um, and I, it's still there. It's called rainy day records. Was it, you know, a, how um, long of it was that closer? Was it like, like one of those? Olympia, Olympia was about an hour away from okay. Aberdeen. You know, still, still, you know, still a world away. <laughs> yeah, because we would have to, I mean, about the same, would, uh, Chicago would be an hour away, and that's when you would go into yeah. these, like, weird neighbor. like, as a, as a guy from a small, shitty suburb, it would be, like, intimidating and frightening. <laughs> uh, yeah. You, you may have had more confidence than I did, though. Yeah, maybe, but I'm sure, I'm sure I was still naive. I was certainly naive about it all. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I would, I, I didn't really have a ton of money for records. So I would, I would get mixtapes from, you know, both, both the guys in the Melbourne side, great records and, you know, would make me tapes of stuff. 
I was also. It was I, great. Yeah. I read that you and your daughter talk about music, which I think because I have a daughter, I can't talk. It's still frozen oh, yeah. in our world. But I was just curious about how old is she? Yeah, I'm kind of surprised. She's she's 15. Oh, 15, and because yeah. how old is your daughter? I have seven months and five years. Like I mean, oh. one is one is seven months and the other is five years. Oh, old. Okay, yeah, yeah, okay. I see what you mean. Okay, <laughs> but I right. mean, yeah. Oh, is she just. She's, uh, Sorry, go ahead. I expected that she would be into crappy music, you know, or or whatever, or whatever you know that her 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 friends listen to, you know, which I don't really. I know that they like, you know, it's probably some modern stuff or whatever, but you know, um, my daughter will listen to stuff like, I mean, I hear her playing Bowie or Roxy music sometimes, and she like, I mean, she she likes a bunch of stuff. Um, uh, uh, everything from Beatles to I don't know, you know. I think she even likes my stuff. Okay, <laughs> you know? I was I was curious um, about that because it's I, I don't because how kids perceive their dad when their dad is a rock star. Like how that uh, do they just be like? Yeah, oh, she doesn't hate it. She doesn't hate it, which is cool. I mean, she'll wear, she'll wear a Melvin's shirt, no problem, and <laughs> um, go to go to shows. I mean, she cut you know. Yeah, she grew up with it, so I would think that she wouldn't be into it or whatever. But yeah, um, we never pushed any kind of music on her. I mean, we're always playing stuff, so she's going to hear it. But um, most of it, you know, I guess she's just kind of discovered on her own, you know, more or less, yeah. asking us what it is and then finding stuff through it. Does she ever turn right, you right, on right. to new stuff where you're like, oh, what the, like... The- I, yeah, I've heard her playing stuff and, and asked, like, oh, what's that? You know, so um, I can't remember what there's, what there's one band. I can't remember what they're called now, but I thought it was pretty cool, like a newer band. Um, um, but yeah, she, I mean, you know, um, oh, I, don't, was, I can't remember what I was going to say. Like, um, uh, um, yeah, her poster's in her room. She's got, uh, you know, Stones, Beatles, Bowie, uh, um Kiss, even <laughs> you know, it's like wow. Yeah, like, she found my old Kiss posters and hung them up. <laughs> um, Is she impressed that you oh, played with Gene Simmons, or Gene Simmons played with you? Would be a better way of putting it. Oh, uh, yeah, I, I, maybe. I don't know. I can't remember <laughs> if I told her that one or not. I probably did. She's probably like, oh, cool. You know, oh, I, I mean, she discovered. I know one she discovered on her own, really, because I didn't really play it. Was Nirvana? You oh, know? really? Um, yes. Yeah, and it's not like I'm playing Nirvana in the house or anything right. like that. I mean, I I know I probably told her about them and Kurt and things like that, but um, you know, kids at her school still you know have Nirvana shirts. They're they're still popular and and uh, relevant or whatever. Um, so then once she discovered that, you know, then she started asking me questions about that kind of stuff and. Um, about a year and a half ago, we went to Seattle and we went to the, um, there's the museum there, the Mopop Museum that's got a big Nirvana uh, exhibit. And I'd never seen it. And I'm so like, oh, let's go check this out. And, you know, I thought she would really like that. And um, so that was cool because, yeah, I mean, that there's there was stuff in there about me. So she's, I mean, I know she was aware, but it was just really them just like, wow. <laughs> was it hard to have a kid and tour? Because you tour a lot. Like, was that? Yeah. Well, I mean, we, we had lots of discussions about what would, you know, that I still have to do this and this is how we make money. <laughs> right. <laughs> so we know what we're getting into, you know? Yeah. And, um, 
that was hard because certainly we didn't, I didn't know a lot of other people that, that uh, had kids that were doing what I was doing. You know, a few, uh, Lou Barlow was one. Um, he's, we'd have, our kids are the exact same age, so we could kind of relate to each other on, on that level and talk about it and stuff because we, you know, this was what we, what we uh, do and um, how to deal with it. Yeah, I just I went on the road a little bit here and there over the past few years, and it's just like I mean it's hard. It's hard to leave. Yeah, but you, you know, how? What's the extended like? How you go for months, or is it not? We do about three months of road work a year. You know, Um, it's always hard when you leave, and then you get used to it. You know, it's hard for both people. Both, both, you know, me. Hard for me to leave, uh, and then hard for them. At, you know, at first, but then once everybody gets into a routine, it's fine. You know, uh, and then you get reacquainted when you get back. <laughs> How's all this? Weird. It's like, wow. <laughs> <laughs> How has this been to be uh, stuck at home for so? I mean, is it? I mean, it's got to be a fine. Mix of... I mean, I mean, I like it other than the not working part. <laughs> you know. Yeah, it's like the homeschool is getting uh, hard. Like the, it, yeah, that was, so that was just my son and he came out running out to get his book for school. So he's pretty good at it and he likes, he actually likes school, you know, I don't know where he got it cause not from either of us, <laughs> but I mean, I, I, I think he likes running, you know, he really does like running. So that, that's cool. Yeah. And, um, he's good at math and things like that. And, and he's good at math and science and loves that kind of stuff. And uh, loves getting his, his stuff done, you know. So impressive, I, you know. I don't know how I scored in that one. Um, <laughs> yeah, my daughter's a little different, and is more like me in her attitude towards school. Um, and I think you know, I didn't really get to see her friends all that much. You know, she's got we have a tiny bubble of people that that we can see, she can see, but um, you know, they're both kind of introverted, so um, I know that they don't mind too much <laughs> right you know but my daughter's a teenager and i know she's not the only one because uh, her, her other friends will do the same thing they'll just sit in the room and sit in a land bed all day with the prodder to get up and do stuff yeah you know? I, 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 that's but i think it's it's kind of the pandemic blues i guess yeah you know everybody's sitting around everybody's sitting around in their pajamas do they that doesn't you have know, stuff to do yeah my bathing has plummeted I, I bathe like a couple times a week and my daughter <laughs> right, right. My daughter will refuse to give me hugs because she's like you smell and i'm like i don't smell oh. and then, <laughs> then i'm like i i must because why would she make that up yeah <laughs> right yeah you better take it you better you better clean up because after a while they won't want to give you a hug anyway so <laughs> I did get those hugs while you can. I did shower before this podcast to, in honor of you to as yeah. respect to you. So not that it would well, matter. You, okay. Well, I don't have smell of vision here, so <laughs> you're good. But, uh, um, but you know, yeah, you know, soon enough, you'll have to beg for those hugs. So get, yeah. get them all you can. <laughs> uh, I, I, it's weird. Cause as a parent, you're like, you know, you just, ant- I'm anticipating, I'm like, what is it going to be like? Like, is she going to be typical? Is she going to follow all the typical roads that the teens do? Or am I, you know, I guess, but there's yeah. No- yeah. Like I said, I just figured that they would like the opposite of what you like, you know? So <laughs> it's kind of cool that they're interested and, you know, I'm sure mom and dad are somewhat um, unhip, but she still talks to us. So that's good. 
I got to take her to Cheap Trick, and that was that was she had a great experience. It was it was amazing. Um, <laughs> I had a friend that knew them, and uh, they were playing they were playing out here in the desert at this like kind of county fair thing called the Date Festival, um, and uh, it, one of those things where if you buy admission, then you get to go to the the gig or whatever. But um, my friend was out there seeing them, and we we got to go we got the royal treatment we got to go backstage and it was almost like it's kind of like being backstage at a festival but there's only one band playing <laughs> <laughs> and and uh so because there was all this catering and stuff and and um they were super nice like robin zander invited us into our into his dressing room and he's like oh and he, he noticed he, he sees like that there's a kid there he's like oh you want something to drink? I'll be right back. And he goes and gets her like a root beer. He also has a daughter and, and kids. So he was, he was totally cool. And, um, uh, you know, she got to have root beer and, and eat catering and get cake. And <laughs> that was amazing. You know, like they were so cool. And, you know, and, and Robin Zander was, was super nice to us. And like right before they're going on stage, he, he goes to my wife and daughter like all right you girls gonna come out and sing surrender with us tonight <laughs> you know that song you know and he starts singing it your mama's all right you, you know and it's just like what the fuck you know so so awesome you know and then we get to stand on the side of the stage and and rick nielsen comes over and sticks a sticks a guitar pick to her forehead <laughs> awesome and and then robin comes over and he's got his arm around her and he's singing stuff so yeah that's got to be a favorite band after that (laughs) i mean that's just i mean i hope i can do that sort of stuff for for my daughter yeah i know i was you know but i mean just in general those guys are super nice she gets i i know a lot of comedy people but she doesn't get it quite yet i don't know if you know who yeah dave keckner is he's champ kind from the anchorman movies Oh yeah, 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 yeah. He'll come uh, wait, over and is, he'll sing to her. Wasn't he also uh, T Bones in the, the yeah. Naked Trucker he show? He'd be more okay, happy. Yeah, he'd be I, more happy that he, you'd recognize that than because <laughs> he loves. Yeah, T-Bones. I saw the Naked Trucker show um, uh, a couple times, and um, they used to perform at Cafe Largo. Yeah, here in that Los show Angeles. was the fucking. I mean. He was great. <laughs> yeah, I, I saw. I moved and here yeah, like I, twenty years ago, and I I went and saw it because we worked at Second City together in Chicago. So, oh, okay. I came to see it as soon as I came to town, and I was like, "This is one of the funniest things I've ever seen in my entire fucking life." Yeah, yeah, he, and yeah. I think I recognized him, at, at, you know, from from that for sure. At, um, seeing the Anchorman movie, I'm like that's that's T Bone. <laughs> <laughs> I will pass that along to him because he oh, definitely yeah he's constantly trying to figure out a t he's like I want to do a T Bones movie I want to do more like he just that's all he wants to do is it something. was a good character that was a really good character yeah I mean he, he was kind of the star I thought oh yeah <laughs> you know and there's like a it's not just a dumb hick guy because he'll spout like Chomsky <laughs> it's like he really throws a lot of weird random like yeah uh, references and stuff it's pretty incredible. Yeah, yeah. Adam Jones from Tool uh, is the one who turned me on to that. He's like, you gotta go see this. You gotta go see the Naked Trucker. It's really cool. So, <laughs> yeah, because I, I used that's who I used to tour with. I used to open up for him because he does, and we would, Uh-oh. and he would close his show with three songs from uh, from 
trucker and I would I would play one drum. So I guess I could call myself oh, okay. a drummer. <laughs> right on, yeah. Right, yeah. A couple brushes and that's and where I, I first I saw uh, Patton Oswald open for him too, and that was the first time I'd ever seen him. Do you, it was uh, kind of before he was before he was uh, before he got uh, more more famous. Yeah, I went and saw yeah, cuz I saw Paul F. Tompkins there and right as he was Are you a big comedy fan guy? Uh, just a little bit. I don't know a lot. I don't know a lot about it. I, I mean, my favorite com- uh, comedians are Cheech and Chong. All right, I could, I got some Cheech and Chong vinyl, not to brag. So nice. Yeah, yeah. But I remember like uh, listening to that stuff in my brother's room and being I, I, not getting a good portion of the references, but like still same just, here. But yeah, that's uh, you know I. Well, I remember. I remember hearing earache my eye on the radio when I was, I mean, that came out. I mean, I was pretty young probably, you know, and just like, you know, it's, the song starts, you don't know what it is. And then all of a sudden, the, you know, the, the needle gets ripped off the stereo. And I was just like, I remember just like listening to that. And my brothers were trying to tell, I'm like, what's a pervert? Just, and they're like, you know, oh no, he didn't say pervert. He said porvert. I'm like, what? <laughs> you know? So, and then I was, so, that's kind of what <laughs> hooked me on that, you know. And I mean, we used to we knew all the skits. <laughs> uh, yeah, I didn't. I didn't even know what marijuana was. And then, because <laughs> I, I mean, it's, yeah, it's their fault, man. It's yeah, their fault. <laughs> I'm wondering if that's where my curiosity came from. Like, <laughs> like it was so it was planted in there, and I was like, sure, I'll smoke that yep. shit. Yeah, you know, I just realized that just now myself. That's where it all came from. Jeez, it's their fault. <laughs> Yeah, and that's when you couldn't get the good. At least where I was, you like, it was all seeds and dirt weed, and it was terrible. Oh, yeah, yeah, same, same. And then, but I do remember the day when all of a sudden there was some Afghanistan <laughs> that showed up, and boy, yeah, I I could I remember the first time I had like it was just like what the fuck happened? <laughs> it was like it was almost yeah, it was almost terrifying. Cause it was just like, I don't know what's happening. Yeah. Yeah. I remember that, that very first time and then having to go do my paper out. And yeah. I, don't, I don't know what that, I, that, uh, <laughs> I had uh, like a, a guy getting, give my Christmas tip. There was this family called the dancers and they were, I, I, they were, I don't even know if they were a family. They were like a family like the Mansons were, but they invited me into their oh, basement no. where there was like a pyramid of, <laughs> pyramid of beer cans and the guy was like and i th- i'm in elementary school i'm like sixth grade maybe seventh grade and he's like for your christmas tip what do you want a hit from the joint or a beer <laughs> and i said <laughs> both and he gave them to me <laughs> and oh I, that's awesome i couldn't finish my collecting because you had to is that what oh. you call it when you had to get your money yeah collecting? oh yes yeah yeah it was kind of great though because you got to little views into the like I didn't think of it until now, but like I saw all these weird little worlds around my my town. Yeah, I, yeah, I had a lot of weird experiences like that too. When you were collecting, did you have people that tried to blow you off or like you know like like not answer the door or were just really hard to get money out of? Yeah, and we had these like books that would have tabs for each week. Yeah, you had that yep. too, and so yep. like they would pile up, and I wasn't a confident kid, so sometimes I would be like. Well, I won't charge him all the weeks because I'm an idiot. Oh, <laughs> my mom was actually really good about like, you, let's go. I'm gonna, I'll take you, and you know, I'm gonna sit in the car, but you go and get money out of these people. And so, which was, yeah, I mean, 
there was certainly people that I thought I would ring the doorbell and see people inside run <laughs> and go hide, you know, or, you know, one guy yelling at me like, I told you come back Thursday. <laughs> it's like, come on money. It's, it's like, it's like four bucks. Come on. Yeah. You know, I had an afternoon <laughs> paper so I could still like get drunk at night. And, uh, Oh, after, you mean afternoon, like, like, so I did, I did, yeah, afternoons during the week, but then weekends are always morning. Same. Yeah. Same. Pretty, but that's, and I made a decent amount of money for a kid, but it all went to records and booze. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Mine, 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 I at least got the drum set out of it, but yeah, um, I'm sure mine went to yeah drums and, and others. <laughs> yeah. I've... Um, yeah, I remember. I remember uh, trying to clash on this this one guy. He was always really nice. I remember this couple, and uh, they're always super nice and friendly to me. You know, even if I when I you know gave them the paper or whatever. But um, you know, went over one day to collect and got invited in. And um, the uh, wife goes out into the other room to get the money or whatever, and the husband's just sitting there. And I'm I'm, I'm sitting there. And he's like, "Why'd you just kick my dog? What? Why'd you kick my dog? Like I didn't." I didn't kick your dog, but, you know, and he's just like, just like accusing me of this thing. And I'm like, all of a sudden completely terrified, you know, and, and starting to shake. And the wife comes back in and she sees what's going on. She's like, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You know, uh, you know, that, you know, pays me and gets me out of there. And like, you know, he was on something. I don't know what either on something or super wasted, you know, I never figured it out, but you know, I think I even just like, canceled them after that or just like <laughs> you canceled their subscription <laughs> were you would your mom go collecting with you because that makes me realize how much of a better mom you had uh yeah i mean well just yeah so i would do it she definitely took me but i think i mean i'm sure that she probably had experience with with my brothers on on you know dealing with people so yeah, that was good. She it was, it was it was great that she actually you know, I mean she didn't stand there with me like I said she would wait, wait in the car or whatever. But you know, yeah, yeah. I just remember being terrified asking people for money that was owed me. <laughs> it's like it was a weird. Yeah, yeah. It was it, you know yeah. And now so yeah, I, I, my mom did my mom did support me so it was great. Now it's paper outs are just guys driving around in a car whipping them out their window. Like it's not even, yeah. it's too bad. It's like now kids, what, what can a kid do other than yeah, there's, all the yeah, I know. stores? <laughs> That's right. Right. I mean, even working at like a McDonald's, I don't even know if they can get a job as a teenager. Maybe. <laughs> That's right. Uh, well, I don't want to avoid talking about your album because we talked, uh, uh, sure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which I noticed uh, you posted the other day that it's uh, it's on the charts. It's on three different. Yeah. Right. What's that? It's uh, it's three. You listed three different charts. I think album. Um, uh, oh yeah. Alt- it was it was funny. It was like I think number three new artist maybe. Yeah. So that, that I was, thought was uh, interesting. Yeah. Whatever that means. That's. <laughs> but I'll take it. I mean. I mean. I, not all of it doesn't I mean it doesn't mean anything really I mean because you know people don't sell records like they used to um it's just more of a brag <laughs> I'll take the brag really you know yeah I'll take the brag you know I mean well I'd rather have the money but I'll take the brag <laughs> yeah. you know it just means you know that uh, Lars Ulrich was actually right <laughs> about the whole Napster thing you know because huh, you know people don't buy records anymore you know? um though I do have you know you know like we're talking about like kids um 
having all this access to music, um, my daughter gets it through life. I, I actually do pay for an iTunes subscription. So, um, you know, but you can get any record that you want, I guess, or listen to any record you want. Yeah. I just, I feel personally guilty if I, if I listen to something more than a couple times, I'm like, Oh, I like this. I'm like, you gotta go buy it. Like you gotta buy it. Yeah. Otherwise right. I'm a scumbag. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but uh, is it, uh, is it, uh, I'm trying to figure out a way to word this, but like to front, is it a big switch for you to like go and like front and do all the thing? Or is it just like, it's different. I mean, I, but I played guitar and sang in a, a band before. Um, I, I lived in San Francisco for a long time and had a band called Altamont. Oh yeah. There. And, um, so, so yeah, I mean, we, we played shows and made records, um, but we not really hadn't, we haven't been that active in a long time since I moved down to to uh, Los Angeles. Um, those two guys still live up there and have regular jobs, so we never really get to play. Um, so I had this opportunity to make a solo record uh, a couple years ago uh, um, through Joyful Noise Records, and you know it was their interest in doing something. I think that that that. Um, maybe decide like I could do a solo record you know? <laughs> why not everybody else is doing a solo record I can do a solo record sure. yeah. um, and so yeah through their interest I think is what made me decide like oh I could do this and then after I made that first record I'm like I should put a band together <laughs> you know it'd be fun to play live you know and I kind of missed that being you know I got to do that with Altamont and so um, um, I decided that oh I could you know put together a band and um uh, Steve McDonald offered to play bass, so I was like, "Great!" And then uh, Toshi Kasai, who's been a long time Melvin's engineer, who also kind of played in later in Altamont. Um, he played second guitar and keyboards in Altamont. Um, got him in the band, and then um, I knew this girl from here who uh, um, who actually met at the Nam show. You know, the Nam, the trade show big, big yeah. musical trade show. Yeah. I met her there and kind of became friends with her and, and knew she was a drummer. And, um, well, I saw her once and she's like, I'm looking for other people to play with. I knew she was in a few bands around town, but just, um, you know, drummers usually get to play in multiple bands anyway, cause there's not a, there's not as many of us. So I knew she'd be good. Um, and I like this band that she played in where she played drums and she played, well, she played drums, but also they switched instruments. So I thought that, you know, I could do something like if I wanted to jump on the drums, um, I could have her do whatever, play guitar or whatever. Um, and so, um, yeah, put, put this band together and, um, started to play shows live and, um, next obvious step was doing another solo record. <laughs> so we'd have more songs. I wanted to have more songs to play so we could actually headline. Um, we did the one tour that we did was us opening for Red Cross. So again, that was easy enough to work. <laughs> you know, it's, uh, you know, me and Steve playing to the bands. So it was you know, an easy tour to do. Were you, were you <laughs> playing with Red Cross as well in the same night? Or? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. 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 I've been playing with them for about three or four years now. Is that the, I mean, I mean, I know you, you've been drumming for a long time, but I mean, playing two sets in a row, like two, is that exhausting or is that the dumbest question you've ever heard? <laughs> I mean, um, you got to get in shape for it, but I mean, we did just last year, well, the last time we did a big tour, we did, um, 
like 54 shows with Melvin's and Red Cross. And that was, you know, yeah, playing drums for uh, definitely more than two hours, I think. And Steve too. But now, I mean, once we started doing it, we got in good shape and, and playing the Red Cross set would just help us warm up for the Melvin set. So I think it probably made it even better, you know? That's wild. Yeah, because so. I uh, saw David Yao before they went on tour, like one of their reunion tours, and he was like, got a personal trainer for like three oh, hours wow. a day. Cause he's like, and I was Seriously? like, wow. <laughs> but I was like, well, I guess that makes, I mean, he's pretty active. So if you haven't done it in a while, you gotta probably right. get back to that. Um, the album it's out, right? It is out. It's out. Yeah. Yeah. It's out. Right. Yeah. We it, did charted. That's right. <laughs> so yeah, it charted, right. which we, which, which I was saying. Yeah. So, I mean, but, and, and that's great. Actually, everybody's really happy. You know, the, um, the, the, the labels, those guys are great. They're super into it. Been really great to work with. They even sent me a plant on release day. That's awesome. You know? uh, yeah, I see. The, like, I get this. I get this text saying, you know, saying I've I've delivered this package to you, and I was like, what the hell? You know, I didn't know what it was, and I look out there and say, happy release day from you know Joyful Noise, and and I was like, wow, <laughs> nobody's ever sent me a plant on release day before. <laughs> <laughs> um no i mean it's, it's seriously though um uh yeah it, considering we're um we can't do shows right now um it, it's done okay you know that sold a bunch of vinyl which is cool and um people seem to like the record and uh uh, we're we're doing this Melvin's thing. Uh, we, we did an episode on New Year's Eve. It's Melvin's TV. I watched some of those. Did you? Did you? Yeah, they're great. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks. Yeah. Um, you know, in lieu of doing like a streaming concert, we, we figured because you can only do one. You know, after you do one, you can't really do another. So our idea was, well, we could we'll do like five songs. You know, most people don't have that long of, a of an attention span anyway. And we can do some interviews and some goofy stuff, and it'll be five bucks, you know, and uh, see, see uh, uh, Fugazi prices, <laughs> 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 you know, and, uh, and, and hopefully, and it did, it did good. So we're doing a, a, another episode, and, um, and the, my band gets to open. It's so, uh, Oh, cool. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> if you, uh, I'll try to get, cause I'm, I put all this information to buy your stuff and, and whatnot in the show notes. So okay, I'll, I'll try cool. to I'll either email you or Monica and get that stuff because I would like, okay. to, and I want, cause I want to see both of those, uh, before we close, first of all, I want to say I'm embarrassed that I asked you if your album was out because I have it, <laughs> 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 but I sometimes the end of the show stuff sort of I do it so much that it just pops out. Um, okay. <laughs> but uh, also I just want to, as a fellow baseball fan, uh, how did it feel oh, for, yeah. your, uh, for your Dodgers to win the world series? Oh, thank you. You're you said, you said, you, how did it feel for you? So, how did it feel? Oh, it, it was, it was a relief, you know, <laughs> more than anything. It was like a big relief. And I think every Dodgers fan, felt like that you know but you could even see the look on Clayton Kershaw's face when he's finally just like <laughs> Kershaw you know yeah uh, yeah I'm a, so I was and I say past tense a lifelong Cubs fan but their owners are so uh fucking scumbaggy like I couldn't oh are they oh that's been <laughs> they were on like the fundraising for Trump and they like oh and they tried to uh like they tried to the 
guy, the field workers guys, the, the groundskeepers. The ground they were like trying yeah. to fuck them out of their, you know, healthcare and stuff. And I'm just like, oh, oh, that's that's too bad. I couldn't. There were so many things like that that it got to the point where I was like, I can't do this anymore. <laughs> so so did you say you live here? Do you live here now? I do. Oh, okay. So, so do you, have you become a Dodgers fan since you've moved here? I've been, I used to live by Dodger stadium. I used to live in, uh, like just East of it in, what is that? Uh, where all those, uh, really nice houses are The there's all those Victorian houses and like oh, Ange- Angelina, Heights, Angelina Heights. Yeah. Okay. I had a shitty right. apartment infested with rodents, but uh, oh. <laughs> I was near nice houses, but I used to, and my friends, one of my closest friends, brothers worked for the Dodgers. So I used to go, Oh, cool! I would get free tickets and I would just fucking walk all the time. Cause you know, Oh I'm, wow. That's great. Yeah. I'm going to blow a hundred dollars on beer there, which is only five. Yeah. Beers. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, I'd spend, cause I've been here 20 years and I'm like, I probably need to move on from my Chicago stuff, which is going to piss off a lot of my Chicago friends. But well, did you were you happy that they finally won the World Series? Then? I was, I was rooting for them, and it's like you know, Kershaw. There's no one better. It's like how could you not want that guy to have a World Series? Yeah, yeah. And yeah I mean, the Cubs too, though. When that, when 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 the Cubs finally won, did you uh, uh, were you happy about that? I I stress drank all the, the games, so <laughs> I I literally had to go back. I mean, I was excited and relieved, but I was in disbelief. Where I just kind of spent the following day staring and watching videos and being like, "This didn't really happen, did it?" <laughs> like, oh, wow. Wow. It, it took a yeah. while to sink in, and then then we had the election the next week, and that didn't go so you know, that kind of changed things. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> that really put a fucking downer on my on my. But if I went back to Chicago, I would go to Wrigley Field and like I couldn't. Have you been to Wrigley? Oh, yeah. It's yeah. it's it's great, especially when I was yeah. a kid. It would be like, you know, when the buildings across the feet street from the outfield were guys in lawn chairs like that stuff. I miss. Yeah. I, yeah. I always thought that place was was really cool looking. Um, the first time I got to go there, um, we were playing, Melvin's were playing in Chicago at the double door. And, oh, um, I used to live down the street. Toshi, yeah, Toshi was with us cause he was playing in the band big business. And, uh, we got tickets through the promoters to go, we, you know, we wanted to run over. We couldn't, we knew we couldn't stay for the whole game, but we wanted to run over and, and, and see a little bit and see the stadium and all that. And, um, we got there and got in and you know, took a cab over, and, uh, and the seats were awesome. They were like, uh, third base side behind the dugout, the couple rows, and we're just like sitting there, and we see a half an inning, and like, wow, this is cool, and just looking around at the stadium and how cool it was, and then all of a sudden we're looking up at the sky, and we're like, oh no, and we look over at the next section, and we see rain pouring, <laughs> and just just all of a sudden it's a monsoon, and yeah, we saw half an inning, and then we're like waiting we waited a little bit to see if it would stop and then we're like we got to get back to the club <laughs> and it was really hard for us to get a cab yeah. at, you know trying to find one i think we actually ran down towards the metro found some bar ran in there and like hey we're playing over at the double doors there any way you can find us you know kids you guys have a good you know, cab that you can get us and they were sympathetic and got us over there but yeah it was kind of a bummer i only got to see half an inning uh, i did go back and saw a whole game after that. <laughs> you could just, even if you don't like baseball, that place is great to be in. It's just the, 
to hang out. And- yeah, I think the same with Dodger Stadium too. Even if you don't like it, just to go and like kind of you know sit there and watch the crowd or whatever. Yeah, <laughs> interesting <laughs> crowd watching for sure. <laughs> Uh, yeah, the view of like the view of, of from Dodger Stadium is just like um, it's gorgeous. It's different from other parks, that's for sure. You yeah, know, just the, the the backdrop's pretty cool. Yeah, you know, I haven't been in a long time. I want to take my daughter because she likes. I think she, I, she thinks she likes baseball, but she thinks. Oh yeah, well, yeah. She'll see basketball and she'll go the Cubs, and I'm like, okay. <laughs> Yeah, well, you know, just just try them with treats, and they'll be fine. Yeah, you know, that's what I do with my kids. You know, that, that's probably how I get them to go. It's like, well, there's, you know, they got ice cream and popcorn and cotton candy and more ice cream and <laughs> Slurpees. And so, um, my daughter hasn't gone for a while, but but uh, I've got my son to go. We usually go a couple times a year, maybe. Yeah, you know, and he'll actually, he's kind of into it. I mean, he played a little bit. They both played like t-ball and stuff, but you know, like aren't aren't that into sports really? You know. Yeah, I I didn't get into sports until like baseball was always a thing, but then I don't know. It was something that I I think because the football players were the guys who kicked the shit out of me in high school, so I was yeah. like, fuck that sport. <laughs> yeah, for me it was kind of all of them. Like by junior high, it was like oh. You know, yeah, fuck this. <laughs> I loved baseball until I was about. Once it started becoming serious, you know, or at least more serious, that's when I was just like, I'm out. But that's also when I was like starting to play drums and getting into music and 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 was better at that than I was at playing baseball. Yeah, but yeah, listening to Dodger games uh, were great. Oh yeah, like I could listen to. Uh, I, I I'm embarrassed because I'm f- completely flaking on the announcer's name. Vin Scully. Scully. I can't believe I couldn't think of that. It's probably because I had a couple TVs. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, like <laughs> it was like listening to. I mean, he's like a mad genius. Yeah, yeah. There's something about his like it was always it's super comforting hearing him talk. Um, yeah, I miss him. Uh, definitely, I, I listened to him a lot on tour, which was good. You know, like like just in the in the car traveling yeah. would, would always be good to hear him on the radio. And and uh, uh, yeah, I put him on once, and he, it was like he was mid sentence. He was going the Egyptian goddy ruru, and I was like, <laughs> "What are you talking? Like, I don't know what you're talking about, but I'm fascinated how you got there and how what you're on about, like stuff like yeah. that, like." And by himself for a, like that's just insane. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He must have really done his homework every day too before coming in. You know, knowing what he's going to say about players and what you know, or just you know, it's, it, maybe not. Even his stories are just good. Yeah. You know? <laughs> Len, I asked Len Casper, who is the Cubs announcer for probably I don't, I don't can't even tell you how long, but he was like, Vin Scully's the best, like hands down, yeah. the best of all time. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool, you know. Even even more than uh, um, uh, um, uh, was his name Harry. Uh, Harry um, Carey. Harry Carey. Oh, good. We both, <laughs> now I feel better yeah. about flaking out of his I knew his first name. <laughs> I'm just bad. I have nieces and nephews. I'm like, well, who are you? What, what's your What's your name? <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. No, I'm I'm really bad with names too. So no worries. Well, I don't want to <laughs> hold you up. I'm sure you have more interviews and stuff. Uh, but. I don't. Oh, okay. Well, I'll come over then. (laughs) 
Conversations with the Wire. Please become a Patreon subscriber. If you like, also subscribe to the show on your iTunes or what have you not, and tell your friends about the show. That would mean a lot to me. As well as uh, go to the link tree in the show notes or com or Conversations with the Wire at the Instagram, and you could learn more about the show, buy merch, and all those great things. Thank you very much for listening.